As I told the first service, you people are spoiled. I have the privilege of traveling and speaking in different churches in many places of the world. And I love the African music, so different, so rhythmic, the formal Asian music. But for Canada, this is good. I'm a bit of a, well, long time ago, a musician. My mother always wanted me to play the violin. And we fell to the seduction of the guitar and the drums and the piano and the bass. My mother is smiling in heaven at what just happened up there. That's good. It's good to be invited back. You heard me. It's always good to be invited the first time, but it is even better to be invited back. Thank you so much. My thanks to Pastor Rick, the church leadership. Thank you for your support down through the years, even if you didn't know you were supporting us. It's okay. God knows. Deeply grateful, deeply grateful for the ministry offering. You are going to change lives through the Portuguese-speaking world. You really will. I know because it doesn't depend on us. It doesn't depend on our ministry. It's the Spirit of God who will do it. And hopefully through today, through this morning, you will see our hearts. The temptation for most organizational leaders is to get up here and do a commercial for their organization. Am I correct? So you see the things like they'll say, I belong to Equip Leadership Canada. And the vision that God has given us is to encourage leadership as Jesus intends. And we do that, by the way, by teaching and affirming the basics of the Christian faith and, listen carefully, redefining what we mean by Christian leadership, and we build Christian community around the world. And we do it through authentic leadership, our curriculum. And by now, I've lost half the crowd. This is not this morning a presentation of a ministry. All throughout this congregation are missionaries, some who are part of the international sales force. I want you to meet them. I want you to go to their seminars. I'll tell you why. You will learn from them and they will learn from you. They are doing good things for God. God is doing good things through them around the world. So take the time to meet the missionaries, go to their seminars, hear what God is doing because this is the expression of what you are doing around the world. Did you hear me? You can't go, a lot of you, so you send others, but we come back to tell you what your prayers, your gifts, and your heart has been doing by the power of Jesus Christ around the world. So I want to start with a question. Why in the country of Canada or our dear brothers and sisters to the south, the excited states of America, and be careful, my wife is American and she is in the audience, so go treadly, tread lightly. 
why when we have so many Bible institutes, so many Bible colleges, so many seminaries, why when we have all the multimedia ability that we have through television, through radio, through the internet, through online resources, why when there are so many ministries and organizations who purport to be out there with so many strong Christian leaders dotted throughout North America, why is our influence declining? It's a difficult question, and it takes a lot longer than we have this morning, so I'm only going to focus on one thing, so let's start with a word of prayer. Father God, thank You for bringing us here. We may have come out of a sense of habit, out of a sense of duty. We may have been dragged here even reluctantly, so I pray that Your Holy Spirit will take over that all the distractions that are in our life, that the sin that is in our life will be taken away so that we focus on You and Your Holy Spirit. Forgive me where I am distracted and not speaking what Your Holy Spirit wants me to say. May You have the praise and the honor and glory this morning in Jesus' name, amen. One of the reasons that people don't listen to us very much is the fact that we go around as Christians and feel it is our duty to tell them how to behave. All right? Rather than lead them to Jesus Christ, we go around and tell them how to behave. Let me unpack this for you. When we came up with our authentic leadership curriculum, it was a direct result of going to our partners all over the world. And when we went to our partners, here's what they told us. Because we asked them the question, what is it that we are missing with our leadership curriculum and our leadership training? Equip Leadership Canada only works through partners. Even in Canada, we only work through other partners encouraging the leadership that Jesus intended. So when we go to another country like Portugal, you won't even see the word equip anywhere. You will just see the words, hallelujah, Baptist, everywhere because that's our partner there. The Baptist Seminary of Lisbon. So we asked them, and the president of the seminary summed up what we heard from every one of our partners, and it was this. You can't assume that just because we say we are a Christian, we actually know what that means. This is a seminary president talking. You also can't assume that when we say we are a Christian leader, we know what that means. Think of that. If we say we're a Christian, we don't really understand what that means. And if we say we're a Christian leader, we don't really understand what that means. And he ended with this, develop a curriculum that answers both of those questions. So we went before the Holy Spirit, and here's what we came up with. Because the others began to say, you, hear me carefully, I'm not criticizing this. So in our cultural context, it fits. But they said, you are exporting leadership training that comes from a cultural, corporate influence, and you bring it to our country where it doesn't necessarily fit. So I want you to follow with me quickly. We start with living in newness of life. What does it mean for a Christian to truly be new, brand new? Key word, grace. 
Keywords, not rules. <laughs> Grace, not rules. And then we say, once you come to the idea that God loves you, and there is nothing you can do to make God love you more or love you less, you begin to realize you can have a relationship with the God of the universe, oh my goodness, and you didn't have to do anything except say, I believe in Jesus Christ, and you know what? He gives you an instant identity. You're no longer Mark, you're no longer Rick, you're no longer Lynn, you're also a son and daughter of God, instantly. That's pretty incredible. And then, he does something else. His Spirit comes to live within you. This is a Baptist church, so I can say this instantly. When you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes and seals you into the family of God and then begins to guide you, and you begin to realize you have a new life empowered from within, not trying to keep all the rules. And then you realize God meets all of your needs, and then you realize He gave you talents and gifts. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask for a good singing voice like Steve has. Each of us have talents. Listen, each. I'm not talking spiritual gifts here. I'm not talking about the arguments we have over speaking in tongues and all of that kind of stuff. I'm talking about motivational gifts where you are gifted with a certain talent given to you by Almighty God for the purpose of influencing the world towards Him. And then we have to learn to renew our minds every day, talk to Jesus, be aware of Him every day. And then we realize He gives us emotions as warning lights to tell us when we're not walking with Him properly. And we realize the summation is, if you are a Christian leader, Jesus is your entire life. That sound like a good curriculum? Does to me. How does it play out? How does it really play out when you think of answering those two questions? Our scripture this morning is Philippians 1.6, and I want you to hear the words. I am certain that God who began the good work, I am certain that God who began the good work, who does the work? It's okay. You can call it out. God, do you do it? No. But when we get that, our world changes. When we get that, our world changes completely. And then it says, within you. He begins to work within you. Hear me closely. Does he just work within pastors? Does he just work within missionaries? Does he just work within worship music leaders? Does he just work within people who are up on stage and have loud mouths like me and get the opportunities to talk all the time? He works within you. Oh, now I have a part in this. I have to choose. So let's unpack it a little further here. We decided to go to different places and try this out. 
The first place we tried it was Albania. You would love the country Albania of Albania. Our partner there is the International School of Theology and Leadership. Albania came out of communism after about 60 years in the mid-90s, and almost everybody in Albania that is a Christian is under 40 years of age. In fact, the average age of the entire country is 28 years old. The, the elders of the churches are 30 years old. They're in about Acts chapter 13 in their growth in the church. And when we went there and we taught this as an experiment to a growing new church, Book of Acts type church, at the end of the first seminar, we had a businesswoman, very successful, in our 12 group. We teach it 12 at a time. And her husband was a pastor. And this is what she said. She said, thank you for bringing this training. She said, for years and years, I thought the only person God was interested in our marriage was my husband because he was a pastor. The only one God could work through because he was a pastor was my husband. Now I understand that I have the Holy Spirit in me, that I have a platform in my business, that I have something to give, and my influence will go out to other people. And, we, and she said, I am a daughter of God. We went, yes. She said, no. And she broke down in tears. She said, you don't understand. I've been teaching my daughter the wrong thing for a decade. We tried it in Egypt, a very historic church, a church that's been there forever. And you from Egypt know that I'm telling it, and I'm telling it with permission of the Egyptian leaders. They have descended into little Christian kingdoms everywhere, and everybody tries to tie into North America to get the money from North America, and they build their little kingdoms. And we were asked to go, actually, and try to revive an entire denomination. And you say, well, that's impossible. Of course it is. But we started with some key leaders, and this is what one man said, oh my goodness. He was a businessman at the end of it. Oh my goodness, I came to God by grace and grace alone, and I've been running back into rules ever since. We tried it in Zimbabwe, my African continent. I grew up in Ethiopia. My parents were with the SIM. And we lived, I lived in Ethiopia for 17 years in the African rhythms. You ought to hear Kennedy and Prisca's church sing and dance. It's awesome. And their country is so corrupt, and at the end of it, somebody said, I now have a way, I now have a way to influence my people towards God. And when I do, our country will change because God will change it. It won't be me trying. And then we tried it in Portugal. What we're presenting to you, Baptist. I'm going to confess to you right now, okay? This is a miracle. In 2017, I was sitting in my office and a missionary friend of mine who had come back from Portugal said, Mark, there's a guy studying at Tyndale and he is getting his demon. He was the leading pastor in Portugal 
He was the president of the Baptist Seminary in Portugal, and he was the national director for Billy Graham for over 20 years in Portugal. This guy is really good. Invite him to the seminar. I immediately didn't want to. I don't know why. I just didn't want to. And fortunately, because we do it 12 at a time, we had 12 people. Ha! So I couldn't invite him. And then one canceled. And I had one name left on my chart to phone, so I phoned him. First words out of his mouth. Is this the typical North American corporate-type mentality leadership? Because I've taken them all. I don't want to go. That was his response. I said, well, come for an hour and see what you think. Okay. I'll do it because of my friend. He showed up. We stopped at coffee break. He came to me and he said, Mark, I have been looking for this type of thing for years. I needed this. This is what my country of Portugal needs. Now watch what happened. We went out. This is the first group of leaders that, whoops, sorry, I got to go back. Can I do that? This is the first group of leaders that we trained from this Baptist seminary in Portugal. They're not all pastors. There are a lot of business people in this group. But they're taking the master's program at the seminary. And in this group are representation to, connections to Angola, Mozambique, Sao Tome, Guinea-Bissau, Cape Verde Islands, Azores, and Brazil, and East Timor. When we did the program in the Azores, the lady who came, one of the businesswomen who came was a clinical psychologist. and. During the first session, she was on the phone, like some of you are being tempted to do right now. She was on the phone, and I thought, oh, she's not getting anything. After the coffee break, she came running up to me and she said, Mark, I saw you looking at me. Please don't misunderstand. I was so excited about what I was hearing, I was emailing my boss or texting my boss in Brazil saying, I have found the curriculum we need. That has turned into five legitimate invitations to Brazil, including 600 pastors from the Amazon region. I didn't want to make the phone call. Ha! I'm really good, aren't I? You see how God works? You don't have to market anything. You don't have to be a professional to go out and be an influence for God. What do you have to do? You don't start with behavior. Most of us who came to Jesus Christ came to Jesus Christ understanding that it was God's grace, God's unmerited favor. We did nothing to earn it. He loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for us, and we were accepted into His family. And then somebody handed us a list of rules. Am I right? These are the rules you follow. Now, follow quickly. If I'm following the rules, the people who handed me the rules go, yes, you're following the rules. You must be a good Christian. Therefore, we will identify you as a Christian. Therefore, you can now have a relationship with God and grow. I said, really? Do you know that almost everywhere we have gone, including Canada, people agree with this? Now, the reason you all know this is because you have a pastor who teaches the opposite. You have church leadership that models the opposite. But in most places of the world, including my life, please don't misunderstand, I grew up in a very godly home. 
but George and Dorothy had rules. Then I went to boarding school, SIM boarding school, fantastic organization, but they had rules of what a Christian was defined as. Then I came back to Forward Baptist Church, the church that sent us out, Woodbine and Girard in Toronto, Dr. Jack Scott. They had rules. And then, have mercy, I went to a Bible college in the Midwest of the United States of America. Wow, you should have seen the rules there. A man and a woman shall not be in a broom closet together at the same time alone. That was in the school rule book. I'm going, never thought of that. Pretty good, huh? huh? <laughs> and then we ended up, I lost my mind, and for two years I became a youth pastor. God love people who are youth pastors. Can I say this, pastor, is it okay? In a Dutch Reformed church. Whew. Please don't misunderstand. Everybody had different rules. The Dutch Reformed Church, when they were interviewing me, knew way more theology than I did. I was sweating through the interview. Then at halftime, they went outside and lit up. Oh, wow. None of the rules that I had ever lived with allowed this. And one of the elders came over and said, this bothers you, doesn't it? And I said, yeah, it does. He says, Mark, trust me, these men love God. They're good people. Give them a chance. I think God wants you here. I want you to preach on Sunday and then come back on Tuesday and we'll tell you if you're going to be hired. I did my best on Sunday. John 3.16, terrified of the Calvinism in front of me. Candy and I went out and had something to eat, came back on Tuesday. They were mad. I said, what did I say in my sermon? I'm sorry I found Oh, they said, your sermon. No, it's fine. It was basic. It wasn't very good, but we'll work with you. <laughs> it's true. That's what they said. But they said, we have a question for you. Tell me, do you and your wife always eat at a restaurant on Sunday? <laughs> no. <laughs> but sometimes we do. And the answer, then we can't hire you but we want to. I said, time out. I said, I'm really struggling with rules here too because you guys went out and lit up. Now you're telling me I can't work here because we eat at a restaurant. I'll tell you what, if you really think this is where God wants us to be, we won't eat at a restaurant on Sunday for the time that we're here and I get to teach your children that their bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and they shouldn't do anything even physically to harm that. They said, okay. Do you know those people who stayed in our life? Supported us? Loved us? First two years of marriage. Fantastic. Just different rules. Who is right? Here's the right way. From the Spirit of God. You start with a relationship. You start with an understanding that God loves you. You did nothing to earn it. He loves you. Do you know how many people out there need to hear that? 
And then when you come to Him, He gives you this marvelous identity as a son and daughter of God, and then He gives you the Holy Spirit that helps you live and move and be in life. And as you obey the Holy Spirit, His influence flows through you into the lives of people in front of you, and amazingly, amazingly, your behavior begins to change. There is not one person in this room who can keep all the Christian rules. Am I right? God had to do it for us. Now we are a source of the Holy Spirit coming through us. A few years ago, I was in Quebec City at the Fairmont Hotel. Somebody else paid for it. Thank you, Jesus. With a group of people on the patio in the evening enjoying the beautiful Canadian summer of Quebec City. We were sitting around. There was about 10 of us around the table. We were just having a good time. We had just come through very intensive meetings about how we were going to reach the world for Jesus Christ. We were just kind of unwinding, and the waitress appeared to take our order. She was lovely. She was courteous. She was polite. She knew what she was doing, but, and I'm an old man here, so forgive me, she was different. Her hair was spiked, several different colors. She had rings everywhere, everywhere on her face, tattoos everywhere. And as she walked towards our table to take the order, this is what she did. Oh! And she backed up and then stood there, just frozen. And one of the ladies jumped up from the table, went over to help her, and she said, are you okay? She said, I don't know who you people are. But she said, there is a force around you. It is warm. It is beautiful. Who are you? Now, I've never had it happen before or since. And I don't know totally what to make of it, but I do know, I do know that people over and over again say when they meet somebody who exudes the Holy Spirit, that they're drawn to it, they're invited to it. It is warm and it is beautiful. I love what Oswald Chambers says. He articulates it so clearly. When, listen carefully, when God's redemption brings a human soul to the point of obedience, So when the Spirit prompts you to some obedience, even in the smallest, most insignificant decisions of your day, it always produces, if I obey Jesus Christ, the redemption of God will flow through me to the lives of others because behind the deed of obedience is the reality of an almighty God. Let me summarize. You obey, even in the smallest of decisions, as you walk through the day, and God's Spirit flows through you to the person in front of you or to the people in front of you, and they are drawn or influenced to Jesus Christ. If you disobey, it isn't that God is up there with a big stick going to whack you, punish you. All you do is stop the flow of the Holy Spirit through you into the lives of somebody else. A few years ago at our church, Charles Price made a statement that I can't get out of my head. He said this, if God is not the source of something, there is only one other source from which it can come. 
So when you disobey God, you are obeying Satan, and you are beginning to destroy yourself. Young people, if you're walking away from God, He's not going to come down and judge you. You're destroying yourself, and you're destroying your life's purpose of influencing others towards God. You say, really, Mark? Yeah, yeah. It's that simple. He who begins a good work within you… Now, please, Mark, tell us something encouraging. I will, God will, He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Wow. And I know this is true because you and I are sitting here this morning because Way back in the past, from Acts 1.11, the gospel has been shared and received until somebody sat in front of you and gave you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody was faithful, did something way back there, and all of a sudden, down through the centuries, here you are. And you know what? We're not here very long. I know you hear us old people say that all the time, but it's true. We're not here very long. It's God who is forever. It is God who is doing His work through us. Can you tell us a story, Mark, that illustrates that? Yeah, I can. I could with the Portuguese, but you're going to have to come Monday night and Tuesday night, okay? But let me tell you my favorite story from the past couple of years. When I was 17, about the time Noah was getting off the ark, I lived here place called Asmara, Eritrea. Kamelaka, it's a book. It used to be a province of Ethiopia. Now it is its own independent country, fiercely independent, fiercely Islamic, and the church has been heavily persecuted. Men and women, young boys and girls that I grew up with have been killed for their faith in Jesus Christ in this country, and there is still a gorgeous underground church and people trying to reach it. But in that brown section all the way down here to the place called Asab that you see in the, in the right corner, that is the territory of what they call the Afar tribe. The Afar tribe are nomadic, fiercely Islamic. They are old-style nomadics like the Amalekites in the Old Testament where they wander through that desert. That is fierce desert, 100, 110 degrees all the time, fierce desert with their camels and their livestock, and they move from place to place, they don't even understand that Addis Ababa, the capital city of Addis, exists, or the Ethiopia exists. They're cut off from the world. There were no known Christians in the 60s when my parents worked there. And my parents, with the four other missionary couples, were charged with reaching the Afar people for Jesus Christ. I didn't like them. I was terrified of them. They were fierce, they were warriors, and there was never any results. I got dragged to prayer meetings for the off-hour people, all-night prayer meetings for the off-hour people. I didn't pray. My parents left in the early 70s along with the other missionaries when the communists took over Ethiopia. There were no known Christians in the off-hour tribe, complete failure, nothing. Fast forward to the People's Church where my wife and I, Candy, attend. 2016, January. Ha. I'm sitting up in the balcony. God bless you. That's the best place. I love the balcony. 
always have. My wife elbows me, says, Mark, they're interviewing an Ethiopian today. Well, I woke up because I lived there for 17 years. And Charles interviews this guy, and he's handsome, and he's funny, and he's articulate, and he's really, really good. He speaks English well, and he's telling the story of how he came to Jesus Christ from the Muslim faith, the Islamic faith, and how it was music. God bless you, Steve. It was music that kind of attracted him because he was a musician, and he would hear the church singing, and he loved it, but he couldn't go in there, and through dreams and visions, he came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And Charles went, yeah, that's a great story, but what's the real story? We went, what? And the man smiled, and he said, this isn't going to mean anything to anybody in here, except maybe some of you who know Ethiopia a little bit, but I'm one of the very first Christians from the Afar tribe. I nearly fell out of the balcony. I went roaring down, and I hugged him. I greeted him. Wow, he said, you speak my language, except... The words you use I haven't heard since 1960. <laughs> Great accent, but weird words. So I told him, my parents worked. Other missionaries worked. Now here you are. It's unbelievable. And he goes, Mark, there's over 250 of us now. 250 of us. So I said, what do you need? What's, what's the number one need? What do you need? He had no clue who I was, except I was a missionary kid from Ethiopia. Puts his hands on my shoulders. He looked me straight in the eye. And he said, we need leadership training. Do you know anybody who does that? So, 2018, we started our first one. We've done 48 people now from the Afar tribe, all leaders. They don't know Calvinism versus dispensationalism. They don't know legalism from grace. They know the Muslim rules that came from. They can't argue complementarianism versus egalitarianism. They just know that God found them. And when we told women in the audience, you're going to identify with this, when we told the women who in the Islamic world of the Afar people are second-class citizens, three of the women were immediately divorced by their husband, when we told them they were daughters of God, and they had the Holy Spirit in them, and they could influence every bit as much as a guy, they started jumping up and dancing and screaming. You don't think God works? He will take what you start and He will complete it. And you may not see the results, but don't you ever give up. The key is to become aware that our influence is the influence of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you bad news. You're all leaders. Every single one of you who named the name of Jesus Christ, you are a leader in the Christian definition of leadership. Because once you know the basics, once you know the basics, you don't have to worry about the results. We did this with some millennials in England. We didn't think it would work. 
They got so excited and so wound up. Why haven't we heard this before? Why haven't we heard this before? And when we went around the room and said, give us one reaction to this, a pastor, a young pastor went, oh my goodness, this is so freedom. I don't have to worry about the results with my denomination. I don't have to worry about the results in front of my people. I do my best, and God has the results. What a flippin' relief. <laughs> Just be faithful. Yeah, our country has got an election tomorrow. May I encourage you? Don't go around telling people how to live, especially the younger generation. Point them to God. Say, find God. You become a son and daughter of God. You'll get the Holy Spirit in you. And then, as you develop the relationship with them, watch them grow in Jesus Christ. Watch the Portuguese leaders that you are going to change, whose lives you are going to change, fan out into all of those places that we have talked about. We've been to a number of them already. It's good news. If you're a missionary here today and your relationship isn't right with God, don't, don't, go, don't go two more feet in your walk with God or in your career until you get your relationship right with God and you recognize that He works through you. If you're a Christian business person here, please, please, please go back to the relationship with God and understand that it's the Holy Spirit who does the work and He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And we'll all celebrate. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your greatness. Thank you for words that we have sung this morning of your power through us. Thank you for that famous final scene where people from every language, tribe, tongue, and nation will sing your praises. Help us to be faithful in our generation redeeming the lost generations by simply turning back to you and allowing you to work through us until we come home to be with you or you come back to get us, whichever comes first. In Jesus' name, amen.